2 Corinthians chapter number 3 tonight. And I'm going to be sharing several verses with you. If you want to go ahead, if you have a marker in your Bible, you can go ahead and go to uh, the book of Exodus chapter 32 and mark a place there. And I'll go there here in just a little while. Uh, We'll be looking at chapter 32 and chapter 34 of the book of Exodus. About halfway over to church tonight, I looked at Miss Wendy and I said, do you see my iPad? She said, I don't. I said, well, I either laid it on top of the truck or left it in the house. And I'm pretty sure I left it in the house. And I have a keyboard my wife got me and I type a lot of my notes while I'm reading. And uh, usually I put the notes down so I can remember them. Well, tonight, uh, I don't have them, so we're going to find out what the preacher's memory's like, and uh, some days it's good, and other days it's like Brother Dermot's, and uh, so we're going to find out what that's like, but I do want to share a few things with you. I almost went uh, with a Christmas message tonight, but I just feel much in my heart uh, that the Lord's got something for us here in this chapter, and uh, I guess... I'm studying this chapter out of about four different books that I'm reading. And uh, God's given great things, but pretty much they all run parallel with the thought tonight that I want to use here in the Word of God. So we're just going to read one verse, and then we'll look through several verses tonight. And I know some of you have been here quite a while today with the choir, and you've got to be here to help us tonight. But I want to give you these things. And uh, listen before I read this. I read something this week, and I love this, and I believe it was said, uh, I believe I'm not mistaken, uh, by the former pastor uh, in Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, a great man of God, Brother Seitler, and he had said that preaching the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter can take care of about anything that's needed in the house of God. I'm glad the Bible can take care of it, aren't you? And I'm glad it's God's Word and not man's Word. The Bible says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? And Paul will deal with this subject for a little while, and I want to look at it for just a few moments, and then uh, we'll go over and talk a little bit about uh, the law and grace that you find in the Bible. Let's pray. Father, I pray you'll bless the Word of God this evening. Lord, you know that I've studied this passage. Lord, I pray that you would help me to recall that which I've studied, that, Lord, I may give forth the truth to your people. And, Lord, I pray tonight, God, that you'll give us a good time in the Lord. Thank you for the faithfulness of your people this day. Lord, I have been encouraged. I know that in the Old Testament they have made the comment that our brethren have discouraged us. And no doubt there may be times we do get discouraged. But this day I have been encouraged by you children. Thank you, God, for the faithfulness of God's people. Now, Lord, I pray you'll bless the Word of God tonight, and we'll thank you for all you do for it, for us, for we ask it in Christ's name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I guess if I were tonight, 
going to entitle somewhat of what I'm going to be preaching about, uh, teaching about from the Word of God tonight. It will be the subject of you are my epistle. You are my epistle. I want you to notice in the Word of God that the Apostle Paul, again, as he's dealing with the church at Corinth, has another situation he's come across. Now, I would assume that he's come across this because someone has made comments, someone has doubted his stand, especially since his stand was about, we talked about last week, and some church discipline that had to be taken care of. And then how Paul talked about in chapter to how we are to treat that person once they come back and they get things right with God and no doubt uh, the Apostle Paul gave us some great truths of that in chapter number 2 and let me just say this uh, if you would like that series of those two messages you can sign up for those as we begin to look of how do you work to get someone back that has uh, walked away from God and uh, has needing some time of correction in their life and then once they do come back what do you do and how do you do it in order to get them back into the fold and encourage them and then in chapter 2 we talked about our life as being a savor uh, for the Lord or as a fragrance for God and how our life ought to point others to the Lord Jesus Christ now what Paul is doing here in chapter 3 Paul is addressing evidently someone that has come to him uh, wanting some type of reference of Paul's ministry. I think it's amazing, but that's what you find here. You find here in the Word of God that Paul has been evidently approached about his commendation or his letter of reference to somebody in the church of Corinth. And Paul is addressing that in chapter number 3. Now, I want you to really get a hold of part of this. You've got to understand that back in biblical times or even in times in which the gospel was given, many people came up with their own doctrine or their own ideas or their own way of doing things. And because of that, people would have letters of commendation. What that means is it would be like somewhat of a uh, letter that was given with a resume. Uh, someone would say, this person is qualified or this person is well able to do uh, what they say they're going to do. Why? Because you wanted someone to say, this person is preaching the truth. Let me just say this. That was important in this day. And the reason that was important in this day because there were many false prophets, there were many false teachers, and they wanted to make sure that someone was giving the truth. But the Apostle Paul, of course, had already approached them here, I believe, on a third occasion. I know we have two epistles, but I believe that he had dealt with them and this time on a third occasion. And I certainly believe that the Apostle Paul was well qualified, well qualified uh, to be able to speak to them. And here's what he said. He said, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you? Or letters of commendation from you? Paul said, is it a letter from somebody? Or a letter that's needed for you to see the proof of our ministry? And then in verse 2, here's what he says. He says, ye 
are our epistle. Written in our hearts. Stop right there because the next few words carry a lot of weight. Here's what he says. He says, instead of a letter of commendation, Instead of writing a letter and saying to you, I'm Paul, called on this day, can do this. You know, first of all, they already knew that. And they knew as God's man. And once again, there must be somebody there, someone questioning that. Paul said, if you really want to see the credentials of what I'm doing for God, look at the people whose lives have been changed. And I've often said this for years, and I believe this. I believe that one of the greatest evidences of God doing anything in the life of a man of God or a church would be the fruit of that ministry and what God is doing. I've always said one of the great ways to see that a church is doing something for God is number one, people are being saved by the grace of God. And friend, I want to tell you this. I still believe God saves sinners. Also, I believe that God calls preachers out of that local congregation. And no doubt we have seen that as God has called men of God to preach the gospel. And then I believe that any church worth its weight will be a soul winning church, will go forth and preach the gospel. So Paul said, if you want to know what my ministry is about, just look around it. He said, you are my epistle. You are my letter. And can I say this tonight? See, why do preachers get so engrossed and so involved in our life? Why do preachers, uh, like this morning, think, praise God, I was glad to see all of y'all here. I'm glad to see you faithful. Here, I'll tell you why. Because the proof of the ministry of my own life is you are my epistle. Amen. Uh, listen, I'm telling you, when people look at Calvary Baptist Church, they don't look at buildings. They don't look at brick and mortar. They don't look at metal buildings. They don't look at screens. They don't listen to sound systems. But when people want evidence of a ministry, they look at the people sitting in their seats and how they are with God. And that's why we need to get into the depth of the Word of God and we need to live our lives where other people can see Christ in us. Amen. And so I want to say this to you tonight. When people look at you, you at work, when they look at you at school, when they see you outside of these doors, you represent not just Calvary Baptist Church, but my ministry as well. If Brother Chris is doing anything for God, it ought to be evident in your life. God ought to be changing you. God ought to be helping you. Souls need to be saved. I know we've went through several weeks here where we really haven't seen anyone walk the aisle. And I don't want people to come down and, and emotionally and say something and a week I can't find them. I like when people get born again and washed in the blood. And that means sinners have got to come. Hey, but I want to tell you this. It breaks my heart every time I preach if someone's lost in that auditorium and they don't get saved. Because that is the main thing. And Paul said to the church at Corinth, Paul said when People see you. That's the evidence of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. When he sees what God has done with your life and how God has changed your life. In our day and time, 
People want to look at their credentials. They, they, want to, they want to grab up and look at the diploma on the wall. And by the way, I believe in education. I believe in studying the Word of God. Or they want to look at some letter or some, something from somebody. And they want to say, boy, uh, this is it. Uh, and this is the whole idea. But when you look at D.L. Moody, and D.L. Moody was made fun of because of his education. And you look at Charles Spurgeon, and Charles Spurgeon was made fun of because of his education. When you look at people, and don't misunderstand me, I believe we need to be educated in the Word of God. But I want you to understand this, friend, it's more than just a diploma on the wall that makes me a preacher. It's more than just a license or an ordination. It's more than just calling myself pastor, but it's the epistle of what God is doing in the life of people. Amen. Amen. So the Apostle Paul says, ye are our epistle. And then he says, written in our hearts. I think that's powerful. Paul says, you're our epistle written in our hearts. In other words, you can see what Paul's heart was for the ministry. But then he says this, known and read of all men. You know what Paul's saying? What's the gospel according to you? You are my epistle. You are the converts of the church at Corinth where we established and preached and taught. You are our picture and you are seen of all men. Can I say something to you? I remember my early ministry. A young preacher. And I see today, and I guess that's why I'm not too hard on young guys starting out, whether they're assistants or associates or they start out young as a pastor. I started way too young. I, I really wish I'd have had somebody looked at me and say, look, you're too young. You don't have enough knowledge. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I went in like a bull in a china closet and I pretty much busted everything in the room at times. And I, and I look back on it today at 53 years old and I pity those people. I feel sorry for them. Because I think, Lord, how mercy, look what they had to deal with. And I'll be honest with you, those first several years, I was a novice. I'll be honest with you. I, I could, you know, I had opinions and I never kept them myself. Sometimes I didn't study the book enough. I just grabbed me something, grabbed the title, slung it out there, and it didn't have enough Bible in it. I don't know how in the world God grew that church it had to be Miss Wendy I don't know how in the world it happened but I'll tell you this God grew that thing but the more God grew it the more God grew me but I'll say this to you when you make comments like I made back when I was young you say this I don't care what people think I remember making that comment I remember uh, people that were elders in my life, that were older in my life, that would say to me, man, you need to be careful saying that or careful using that word or careful doing that. And they meant it good to help me. They were people that loved me. I'd look at them and say, I don't care what people think. Well, guess what? That might sound real cool. And that might sound like, buddy, you are the cheese. But you know what? Everywhere I read in the Bible, it matters what people think. 
Every word I read in the Bible. You say, well, they, they don't need to worry about me. I'm going to tell you this. You can make that statement all you want. You can say that. Hey, you can say it don't matter the way you look at Walmart. And it don't matter the words you use. And it don't matter what you say on social media. And it doesn't matter how you live your life. But friend, I'm telling you what. There are a lot of people tripping over others and dying and going to hell. Tripping over others because we don't live the epistle of who we are and what God has done in our life Somebody say man. It does matter. It does matter. Every bus captain, it does matter how you live. Don't get on a bus and tell kids to live for God when you don't. It does matter, Sunday school teacher. It does matter, associate pastor, you pastor. Hey, I had a fellow years ago as a deacon, he wouldn't tithe. I had to put him off the deacon board. And somebody said, I was mean. I said, my soul. He taught Sunday school. What's he going to do? Get up and tell everybody else to tithe while he's robbing God like Jesse James? Amen. Can't do that. Right? You know what Paul said? Paul said to Corinthian church, he said, you are my epistle. That's right. He said, you are my epistle. He said, people look at you. There's two things. I want you to see real quick in this. And we may get to Deuteronomy 32, may not. But there's two things I want you to see. I'm recalling more than I thought I would. Hallelujah. Two things, two things I want you to see. He says, you are our epistle written in our hearts. And I want you to get a hold of this. Paul said, so people see my ministry in you. But then look what he says. For as much as you are uh, manifestly declared to be here, watch this the epistle of Christ ministered by us. You know what he said? Paul said, not only do you represent me, Paul said, but you represent Christ. Paul said, you represent Christ. Amen. Can I say this? The apostle Paul said, you don't need a letter of recommendation. You don't need me to write some down of credentials. You know my ministry. You know what I've done. But he said the greatest testimony of what he's done in his life is those people that have said amen. My wife will tell you, and I know we all have our days when we uh, get the mully grubs, and I really don't even know what that is, but I get it. We all have our days when we get discouraged in the ministry. My wife was talking to someone today that we love dearly, and we had to say to that individual, listen, in the ministry, it don't always go the way you want it. You don't always understand it. Sometimes your heart's going to be broken. Sometimes you're going to miss God. Sometimes you're going to find God. And I mean, the ministry, and it was trying to tell this individual, the ministry, it can just go in a lot of different directions. And I want to give you something else on that real quick before we're done. But it can go in a lot of different directions. But don't you understand something? There are times when I have people that I put my life into. I don't just study the Bible to preach just to get up and act like I know something. Because I'll be honest with you, I'm like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul's greatest problem he had in his life is he was never confident in himself. And you know, I'm not sure. His humility was evident. But I think sometimes the Apostle Paul took it overboard. He was a man. I'm the least of the apostles. Paul would say stuff like, I'm the chief of sinners. And that don't mean that he was or he wasn't. But Paul, and you say, well, that's humility. And, and, and yes, it is. It is humility. It is humility. But at the same time, 
Paul could get discouraged. And boy, when you put your life into people and you watch people that no longer are a good epistle of your ministry or a good testimony of Christ, it breaks your heart. Bus captain, Miss Janet, you've been a bus captain me for a long time. When one of those kids gets on fire for God and they're doing so good, and then you watch the world grab them because they live in that world about every day. And you're trying to influence them. You're trying to help them. You're hoping you're making a difference. But then they just do something totally opposite. The world pulls at them. She can say all she wants, but I bet there's been a few tears on the pillow. I bet Brother, Brother Richard, you've had to listen to her as her heart was broke over some child, some kid going the wrong direction. Why? Because they're your epistles. They're, they're people you put your life into in the bus ministry. You understand? And can I say this? The Apostle Paul, Brother Justin, and listen, you're going to learn this in the ministry. You're a young man in this thing, even though you are such a mature man, you're a young man in this thing. But you're going to see, and I've been in this 33 years, and you're going to see sometimes it breaks your heart. But I'm going to tell you this. Praise God, when I look around me, there's a whole lot more good God's done than what the devil has undone. Amen? Now, let me finish this up. We won't have time to get to Deuteronomy 32 because i got a lot I want to cover in that. I want to cover those tables of stone. It's interesting. Well, I don't want to even give it to you because it's good, but it's, I won't even give it to you. The Bible says, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Here's what Paul has said. What gives us our trust that what we're doing is right is the fact that we trusted God and what God has done. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves. Here he is again. To think anything of ourselves. But he says, but our sufficiencies of God. Paul said, look, we're not here to say that we've made you what you are. We're not here to say that we have done these things. But he's here to say this. The whole thing's been done of God. The sufficiency is of God. Now verses 6 and following deals with the covenants, the old and new covenant, the old New Testament, we might would say. And it deals with some things about the law and grace that I want to deal with but I cannot deal with it in eight minutes or so. So I want to take time to deal with that. Uh, a whole lot of study goes into that. But it's really interesting. When you look in the book of uh, Exodus, you'll find out the first time Moses never got to the people with the tablets. He broke them before he got to them. Saw how they were living. Exodus 34, those tablets, God puts the words again. But something's different in Exodus 34 than is in Exodus 32. And I'll share a little bit about that, and that's what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians. But here's how I want to give our invitation this evening. And this is what I want to say tonight as our musician, Brother James, is getting ready. Uh, and you can start playing when you are ready. But here's what I want to say tonight. I want you to grab a hold of what I'm getting ready to give you. If you work in this church, if you're a teacher, if you're a bus captain, if you 
or a staff member or you work in some area of ministry in this church, then the people's lives you invest in becomes your epistle. And you ought to do everything you can to invest the right things in their life. This morning, I don't know if it was Super Church or Sunday School teacher, but these children were coming up to me bringing me things they have drawn about telling me Merry Christmas. Drawn. One fellow had me on a horse. Uh, others had me, I think somebody might even have me a snowman. I don't know. But anyway, I was thinking those kids that start this church early. Kristen, you're 20, what now? Four? So 15 years ago, you were nine, about nine years old, 24 years old. I mean, Sunday school teachers influenced your life. You pastors, Dr. Caldwell. Then I came in these last 15 years, influenced your life. You become an epistle. That's why you hear me make comments like, I'm so proud of the young lady Miss Christian's become. I'm proud of what God's done in her life. Why? She's an epistle. I look at her and I see what's been invested and what God has done with it. Amen. And can I say this? The world, the world is reading your life. The world's watching your life. And it is true, Brother White. The only Bible some of them may ever read is the way you live. The Bible, the King James calls it your conversation, the way you live your life. Well, it don't matter. I beg to differ. Because I got news for you. Your language does matter. Your jokes matter. Your faithfulness matters. Your effort and time matter. Why does it matter? Because, friend, I want you to understand, regardless if you ever get to a place where the paper's on the wall, or the accolades of men. By the way, I think sometimes we're more interested in the accolades of men than we are in the approval of God. Amen. I think that song is I want my life to count for Jesus. Some people got the idea that means preaching a sermon. You know what it could mean? It could mean at work tomorrow. Somebody that close to giving their life to the Lord. Somebody that close to throwing in the towel. Somebody that close to saying, you know what? I'm going to take my life. I'm done. But you walk by. You've been with somebody that you have been their epistle. They put things in your life. You've been a testimony for Christ. And they see Christ in you. I think about that family, Brother Stacy was telling me about this man, Pastor. I think about Brother Kerry, how many times you had witnessed to that man and talked to that boss, I assume, about the Lord. Who's the first one he called or wants to talk to? It's that Christian man. That was his employee. 
That man no longer has his job. His whole world with a new company buyout has crashed. Who'd they turn to? That living epistle. Miss Linda, in that operating room, when those beds being rolled, some people scared this may be cancer. Some think what's going to happen in my life. But there's a Christian nurse that loves Jesus that can go right there with them when they're scared to death. I want my life to count. Amen. Let's stand our feet. Miss Seller's going to sing this great song. It's pretty popular around this church. But I want to ask every Sunday school teacher, every bus worker, every leader, and also, I want to ask all of you that are saved, do you want your life to be a living testimony? Not with letters of recommendation, but do you want your life to be a living, living testimony of what Jesus can do? Miss Robin, will you sing a little bit of that for me, sister? I want their lives to count for something, to leave their mark when life is I won't. 